Sierra. 85. Cabin crew, prepare for immediate departure. Quiet on the set. Quiet, people. In three, roll tape. Two, rolling. One. Hello. Welcome. Live from our studio. And now your host. <laughs> hey, hello, hello, hello. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome to Life Spring. I am so glad you're here. Whether you've been here from the beginning or if this is your very first time listening to the show, welcome. We're going to start right off with a song. And because I like this song and because it kind of really goes well with uh, what I'm going to be talking about today. This is Stephen Stewart from Helsinki, Finland. The name of the song is Leave Me in the Rain. in expectation My heart sinks when I see the clouds The sun just disappears before me Feels like heaven shut me out I cry out on my knees for answers Does it leave me in the rain? I put my coat a little tighter But I'm still soaking to the bone I thought he promised me
GoDaddy's the source for domain names, you know. Web hosting and some fantastic tools for maximizing your internet presence, me bucko. Steve Webb has been a customer of GoDaddy for years, he has. And he's not made them walk the plank yet. And here be some good advice to ye. Use one of the Lifespring discount codes when you buy from GoDaddy. For instance, when you buy more than 30 doubloons, uh, dollars, for GoDaddy services, enter code LS2 and save five dollars. For all the codes, sail on by their show notes website at lifespringpodcast.com. Steve will be thanking you for the support. We open the show today with Stephen Stewart from Helsinki, Finland, like I told you. You've heard the song before if you if you listen to the Lifespring Weekend Music Show. I have a special announcement to make at the end of the show. If you like that music, I'm going to be telling you how you can win your very own copy of this very, very cool CD. All right, today's show is a bit of a departure from the normal life spring because today I have an interview with someone who's very, very special to me. And the reason I'm doing this interview today is because of the uh, MS Walk that took place this past Sunday in New York City. As you probably remember, I played a promo on last week's show for Team Biddy. You know, uh, the uh, the lascivious biddies. Well, their original goal was to raise $10,000 in pledges for their part in the MS Walk in New York City. Well... Thanks to the wonderful podcasting audience, Team Biddy, and, oh, by the way, C.C. Chapman was a part of that, too, with his accident hash. They raised, they shattered the goal with $22,000. Is that cool or what? Well, my guest today has had MS for more than half of her life. And so with that, let me please introduce the interview that I have with Kathy Brixey, one of my dearest friends. Here's the interview. Well, right now, I have the distinct pleasure of introducing one of my, you know, that was going to sound bad. Kathy, I was going to say one of my oldest and dearest friends, but that that wouldn't quite be right because I have friends that are much older than you are. Not so sure. (laughs) I'm quite sure. (laughs) Kathy and I have been friends since we were teenagers. We were what, about 15 or 16 years old? 16. When we mm-hmm. met, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kathy is married to Del Brixie, who you have heard me talk about before on the podcast. Uh, Del is the one that invited me to his church, the church that I, I met the Lord. And so I have a great love in my heart for, for Del Brixie and for his, his wife, Kathy. Um, Del and Kathy were uh, pastors for many, many years. Um, where did you first pastor? Um, here in Riverside at uh, Riverside Valley Community Church. Okay, that was the church that you guys started. That's correct. Right. But now that was after a bit of a, uh, a circuitous path to get there. That's true. Uh, there was a long time, mm-hmm. I think, that, that Dell really kind of felt the call to be a pastor, mm-hmm. but um, he didn't do that right away. No. 
And isn't that often the case when God calls us to do something? That's true. We say, no, I don't want to do that, or, or I'm afraid, or, or, or what have you. Mm-hmm. We question God. Yeah, we mm-hmm. do that all the time. Mm-hmm. Now, um, speaking of questioning God, um, I'm assuming that there have been many times in your life that you questioned God. A few. Sure. <laughs> um, you guys were very young when you got married. We were. What, 17, if I remember 18, right? 18. Barely. Barely. <laughs> <laughs> very, very young. You guys mm-hmm. were high school sweethearts. We were indeed. Actually, uh, if I remember right, you're the first girlfriend that Dell ever had. I think so. Yeah, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm like 99.9% sure. <laughs> uh, I've known Dell longer than I've known you. Uh, Dell and I, um, for those of you that don't know, which is uh, almost the entire audience right now, all four of you guys out there listening, um, Dell and I met when we were in junior high school, and then we were on the same swim team and water polo team in high school, and so we've spent many, many hours together in the pool, swimming laps, and throwing the, the, uh, the water polo ball back and forth, and uh, Dell was a very studious type person, and he didn't have a lot of time for girls, and uh, all of a sudden, um, this girl walks into our church in Roland Heights, California, and just knocked Dell for a loop. And that was the beautiful Kathy Rote. And uh, let's see, you guys met then when you were 16 and you you married at 18. So you yes. had a, a whirlwind romance. We and, did. And all the parents were thrilled. No. No. <laughs> I think half of that time you're on uh, restriction. I you? was. <laughs> I was. For no apparent reason sometimes. Very strict parents. Very Mm-hmm. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. It just meant that they loved you and they cared about you. That's right. So they were doing the best they could. Absolutely. And uh, mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with that. So anyway, um, fast forward. You, you get married at 18. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dell goes into the Air Force. Air Force, as I remember. Yes, he Tell did. Tell me a little bit about that. It was an unusual experience. Um, we were both California kids, city kids, and we ended up in Biloxi, Mississippi after um, being... Uh, separated for eight weeks after being newlyweds for mm-hmm. only eight months. Right. Eight so, weeks because of the boot camp. Boot camp, mm-hmm. right. And um, was different, to say the least, back there. I was never exposed to um, prejudices the way I was back there and um, opened my eyes. And um, God showed us grace and got us back home mm-hmm. to California. Right. So. Now, when he went into the Air Force, it was with the aim of, do you remember? What was, what, what was his job? What was he wanting, what was he training for? He was trained to be an, um, a radio control tower specialist. Right. But what happened? Well, he was supposed to wire the, um, the tower so that they could speak to the airplanes, and they discovered that he was colorblind. Which is a little difficult for somebody supposed Absolutely. to be. <laughs> you Absolutely. You need to see colors when you're wiring. Exactly. Right. And so he got out early. Because he did. He, he was out in three years instead of six. We ended up moving to Kansas. Right. But now it was in California that you first found out that there might be a problem. Isn't that right? With? With the vision, and then you found... When was that? That was right after we moved back here. 
Um, we moved back uh, to California after being in Kansas for three years. Okay, so Kansas was okay. All right, so mm-hmm. you had the year of school here. You went went to Kansas for three three years. Mm-hmm. Okay, and he worked in the oil fields with his uncle. Is that correct? What it was? Okay, mm-hmm. and then decided to come back here. Correct, and went back to college back to, to finish college. degree. All right, so mm-hmm. so it was when this happened. Mm-hmm. It was during this time. Tell me the story of exactly. We had surrendered to full-time ministry, and we were on uh, campus up at UCR as BSU directors. And um, we had taken a group of college students to um, um, Glorieta, New Mexico. And on our way back, I started having difficulty with my left arm. And um, by the time we got home, I wasn't able to use it at all and started going to the doctors. And um, through a series of tests um, that just eliminate different illnesses they discovered that i had multiple sclerosis all right now what did you think at this particular point in time i mean what what was your reaction probably not one that you would have expected um during the course of time when we were bsu directors up on campus we stepped out on faith and both quit our jobs and god began to fill our um every need financially and physically. We didn't want for food. The kids always had enough money for school projects. Sometimes God would give us exactly to the penny what we needed that month. Right. Other times he would send us maybe 10 extra dollars and we thought, well, gosh, we'll go get ice cream. Uh-huh. And then one of the kids would come home from school with a broken pair of shoes and we'd have to take that 10 extra dollars and go buy them a pair of shoes. Uh-huh. So we learned to walk by faith. And... Um, when I received my diagnosis of multiple sclerosis over the phone from my doctor, I sat down and um, and I just had a long talk with God. We had three young children, and um, one in high school and the other two in elementary. And I said, well, I don't know what we're doing with this, but you've met our needs every day, every week, penny to penny. We've never needed for anything, and so if this is the path that you've set before me, I'll do it the best I can. Mm. And um, I'm going to start crying. (laughs) He's never failed to protect my health when I needed it to be especially protected. And um, he's never failed to keep me walking. Um, I've had multiple sclerosis since our youngest daughter was in kindergarten. And um, she'll be 22 in July. Mm. And I'm still walking. And I'm still mobile, and I still am able to take care of my family. And I know that's only by the grace of God. All right, so you had the arm was first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As I remember, there was a, a vision thing, though, too. There was. Um, that was later. Um, I lost my vision in my left eye. Um, 100%? 100%. I went completely blind. Right. And the doctors couldn't guarantee us that it wouldn't go into my right eye. Mm -hmm. And so I had what's called postcard vision. I had no depth perception. Oh, right. So the kids thought it was really funny that I kept running into things and walking into the walls. Uh (laughs) I guess I was the floor show for dinner. Right. Now that, how long were you without vision in that eye? It lasted six months. Right. Yeah. And I was really blessed. God brought back into my my eye almost all of my vision i have no peripheral vision in my left eye so i can honestly say i didn't see that right exactly <laughs> right so were you surprised then when it did come back i mean i was 
I was surprised that it hadn't gone into my right eye. Yeah. But uh, when I was first, um, when it first came on, it came on real rapidly. And um, they thought maybe I had a brain tumor, so I was checked for that for a while. Right. For about three days. Right. Went through a lot of very scary testing with right. MRIs and CT scans. and. Mm-hmm. All right. For those people that don't know what MS actually is and why mm-hmm. would it would affect your arm and then your eyesight and... and different things. Explain what that is. Multiple sclerosis is where your body attacks its own cell system. It attacks your nerve system. And when it does that, it eats up the um, core of of your nervous system so that the outside myelin surface looks like um, Swiss cheese. Mm. It's full of holes. Right. And every time there's a hole, every place there's a hole, when the muscle around that nerve pushes in, it irritates that nerve, and it can be very painful. Mm -hmm. Then as you go through the exacerbation, which is what that period of of, um, uh, breakdown and attack is called, then um, scar tissue forms over those holes. Mm -hmm. Your body goes in and tries to correct the the attack. The scar tissue can reroute the um, nerves so that you might think you're pointing your finger and actually your big toes moving really yeah it can completely reroute things especially when it starts to form lot lots of lesions in your brain then as the cell as the the signal goes through those lesions it reroutes it somewhere else wow now the lesions in the brain are caused by the same thing really no, the attack okay mm-hmm. so when your body's being attacked it forms a certain kind of uh, chemical and I'm not sure exactly what that is mm-hmm. but it it forms the lesions in your brain all right okay and so the effects then that it has had on you over the years talk about that well when I was first diagnosed like I said I had small children and um, how old were the kids Jeremy was a freshman in high school all right. and Christy was kindergarten Mindy was third grade okay so I knew that I needed to make them um, efficient and self-efficient um, in the home so mm-hmm. they could take care of themselves. So I immediately started teaching them how to do their own laundry, to clean the house, to cook so that they could prepare meals for themselves. Because with multiple sclerosis, you can wake up in the morning and not have any use of your legs and your arms permanently. Just all of a sudden, overnight. All of a sudden, overnight. There's no warning. There's nothing that brings it on. There's no known cure. All they can do is treat the illness symptoms. Mm-hmm. So, um, and in my case, one of the treatments is prednisone, and I'm allergic to that. That stuff is nasty, even if you're healthy to take it. That. Is. I've, it I've is. I've had that uh, mm-hmm. because of uh, allergic reactions, where uh, the standard treatment didn't do anything for me, and mm-hmm. they had to, you know, step up until I finally was taking, you know, steroids. fairly, yeah, steroids, mm-hmm. fairly mm-hmm. severe mm-hmm. doses. And, uh, oh, I hate what it does yeah. to you. And yeah. that's when you're healthy. And exactly. So you can't take prednisone. I can't. Right. I can't. So I'm, I'm just treated for um, fatigue in my muscles. I'm treated for uh, spastic movements in my muscles. Um, and I take a lot of Motrin mm-hmm. for the pain. Right. So it's just some, something that you deal with every day. Right. And um, for me, I know that that's, my, that's what my path is. And so... Um, you just work through that because God, God gives you the grace to do that. And um, he knows the path he's set before me. And he gives me the energy and the strength to do each day as it comes. 
Isn't it a good thing? I was talking to somebody the other day, and I said, isn't it a good thing that we don't know the future? Absolutely. Because when you were a kid, if you had looked ahead to see that this was going to be included in your path, Mm -hmm. uh, it would have been a really difficult thing to even want to continue. It would have. um, But when I came to know the Lord, Mm -hmm. then it didn't matter anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, I take one day at a time. And... I enjoy that day, and I look forward to whatever God's put before me. Right. And each day is different. Right. So you can't get bored with that. And um, he shows me his hand every day. I can't tell you how many times that we've been handed something that probably would take out most marriages. Mm -hmm. And we just look at each other and go, okay, this is a new adventure, and we're going to go for it. And God takes us through it. and. We come out the other side and know that we've been in his presence. Yes, that's true. So Now, for a lot of people, MS would be enough. But you guys have so many times reminded me of Job. <laughs> uh, there yeah. Recently, oh, it's been a couple of months ago, uh, one of my um, good listeners wrote me a, an email and um, he's a new believer, and he began to read the book of Job because he's reading through the Bible. And he had some real serious questions when he first started reading it, and the dialogue between uh, Satan and God, and uh, he said that it sounded like a couple of um, college freshmen having an argument about you know who can do what. And he said, explain this to me, Steve. And so I talked about um, why bad things happen to good people Mm -hmm. sometimes. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was was a good discussion, I think, anyway. I got a lot of good feedback on it. But as I was studying that and as I was putting that show together, so many times I thought about you and Dell. And I have to say, and now I'm going to tear up here. (laughs) that you guys have been such an example to me since I have known you. Um, I have gone through ups and downs, as you well know, and you and Dell have stuck with me, and you have loved me, and uh, I can't tell you what that means to me. But in addition now to your MS, you guys have had a few other challenges. Just a few. Just a few. (laughs) Can you talk about that a little bit? And the reason, the reason for this discussion is because I want people to understand that when we become a believer, it is not a guarantee of an easy road. No. And I want to talk about that, and then I want to talk about perhaps why things like this happen to, um, to godly people. Okay. So what was the first thing after you found out that you had MS, that you, you, you dealt with that. And I'm I'm have to apologize because I don't remember which came first, Dell's cancer or my my first round with cancer. Um, I think it was Dell's. I think it was. Um, it was ten years ago, April twenty or April third. Um, Dell's been cancer free for that long now. Ten years. Ten years. That is hard to believe. He was diagnosed with cancer on our son's 21st birthday, hmm. and Jeremy just turned 31. Wow. So um, that's a remarkable milestone for two reasons. One, um, 
two weeks after Dell had his surgery, um, his doctor, bless his heart, I cornered him in the hallway at the hospital and forced him to give me a prognosis. And he told me we would be lucky if we had Dell five years. Yeah. Oh, by the way, let me stop you right here. Okay. Let me stop you right here. I've already mentioned on the show before, but there are, uh, I think, two new listeners since I, I mentioned that. And uh, you probably remember, when I was 16, I had a girlfriend who died from cancer. I do. And um, I've already told uh, my listeners that when that happened, um, I got very angry with God. And it was a long, long time before I ever prayed again. So my experience with cancer has not been good. And um, when Dell got cancer, I thought, you know, here we go again. Someone else that I love is, is going to be gone. Mm-hmm. And at the time, God and I had already made amends. And, and I was walking closely with him. But I thought, you know, this is one of the things that um, comes along. And um, it's real rare that God ever um, grants the, the, the prayer for healing with cancer. And uh, I have to tell you, I was really afraid when Dell got cancer. Mm-hmm. But God used this to show me that, yeah, he still does. He does heal people. He still works miracles. He still works miracles. And, and he did that with Dell. So talk mm-hmm. about that experience a little bit. Well, um, but in the beginning, when he was diagnosed on, on Jeremy's birthday, we didn't tell our children for a few days. But we came home that day, and Dell laid on our couch, and it was pretty devastating. We had gone through about six major tests in one day, and um, we knew something was really, really wrong. And when our doctor, who had been our physician for years since the kids were little, stood there and put his arms around Dell and told him that he had cancer, I was stunned, mm-hmm. you know, even though we knew something was wrong. But I also knew that God's sovereign and that His grace is sufficient. Right. And the whole way home, Dell was just very quiet, and he's he's very much that way anyway. He'll quiet until he thinks things through, and yep. then he gives you his take on the situation. Yeah, he's very much a cerebral person. He thinks very a lot, much, yeah. very much so. And so he laid on the couch, and tears began to come down his eyes, and he said, "I don't want to die yet," and I just. I put my hands on his chest, and um, I put my head across my hands, and I just prayed for just a moment mm-hmm. that God would give me peace, and that he would let me know through that peace if Dell was going to make it or not. Mm-hmm. And I had this overwhelming sensation, I know it was the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. that just put his arms around both of us at that moment. And I looked up at Dell and I said, you're going to make it. God just told me you're going to make it. Mm -hmm. And um, I know people don't think that God still speaks to us verbally, but he does. Uh, Yes, he does. He does. And um, I knew that it would be a fight, that we would really have to work hard, because I know my husband, and he's not a very good patient. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. So I knew that I would be fighting more than he would at that point. But um, we made it through. Mm Mm-hmm. He went through surgery 21 days later, and his tumor went from the size of a small um, grapefruit to the size of a large cantaloupe in 21 days. Mm. 
and um, he was in surgery for 11 and a half hours. And we, it was pretty touch and go when he came out. Mm-hmm. But I knew through the whole thing that he was going to be okay because God told me he was. And so it was just something that we had to experience, right. something that we had to go through. It was a journey that we needed to take for one reason or another. Mm-hmm. God would give us the strength, and he would use that in our life down the road. Mm-hmm. And he has. We've been able to minister to people who've been diagnosed with cancer. Right. And with his particular type of cancer, uh, it's a very rare form. And so um, it's been interesting to see how God's used that. Mm-hmm. But five years after that, I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer right. and had my uh, both lobes of my thyroid removed. And being true to myself, I refused to talk to the doctor coming out of anesthesia so he wasn't certain that my voice had come back. Because what, do you, what, 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 what do you mean? What do you mean being true to yourself? I'm pretty ornery. Okay. <laughs> and I wasn't ready to talk yet. Okay. <laughs> I was still praying and he was interrupting that. I see. Okay. And um, so I, um, when I finally did speak, I finally just said, you need to leave me alone. I'm not awake yet. And uh-huh. he said, okay, she's fine. Uh-huh. And he left and sent me off to um, my room. But there's a nerve that runs through your thyroid lobes, okay. and that controls your vocal cord. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, I knew that if God saved my voice, it was for a purpose. Uh-huh. And I had already been speaking publicly but I knew that he had a plan for me in that regards. Mm-hmm. So um, we got through that, went through two rounds of radiation, right. which was very scary. I don't. Some people don't understand what radiation is, but with thyroid, they put you in um, a room that's leaded, and then the doctor comes in with all this lead paraphernalia on and gloves up to his elbows, and he takes out a little capsule. And he hands it to you with no protection and says, swallow this. Uh (laughs) And you're like, okay, you're protected and I'm not. Uh But for three days, you pretty much glow in the dark. Uh My family had to leave the house. There was all this stuff that you had to do. Really? Really. I didn't know Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Well, Dale could stay. Okay. But I couldn't be in the same room with him. But my girls were still a very young, tender age, and I wanted to ensure that they would be able to have children. Right, right. Yeah. So Radiation would, can destroy exactly. that. Exactly. So I shipped them off for four days, actually, and then they were allowed to come back but couldn't be in the same room with me for three more days. Right. So we did that twice. You can only do it once every six months. Right. Now, that affected your hair? No. No. Oh, that, the chemo did? The chemotherapy did, but yeah. Was that at the same time? Was it? The, no. That, okay, okay. That was I the next one. Uh, all right. Yeah. Okay. I'm getting ahead. That's Sorry. okay. That's okay. A year after that, I was diagnosed with um, breast cancer. Man. And I found that myself mm-hmm. through my exams. So that's an important thing to do. Absolutely. Ladies. Absolutely. I did mine every six weeks uh-huh. and um, had just come home from being out working uh, for my church out uh, at a Sunday school conference and was home and, and laying on my back on the couch. And I thought, you know. I haven't done this today, so I need to make sure. And I found it. Mm-hmm. And I went to the doctors the next day and did my first mammogram, which was an interesting experience. Yeah. And um, Not at all a pleasant thing. No, pretty much like a car backing over you. <laughs> pretty much. But then um, uh, two weeks later, I had, well, three weeks actually, um, I had a uh, radical mastectomy. And... Um, found that it was five centimeters and wow. stage two cancer. Wow. So 
Um, now, was it bilateral? No. Both, okay. No. Okay. But um, a week before my surgery, I had been uh, at a minister's wives retreat and had gone through a healing service, and several people asked me afterwards, do you feel healed? And I said, I don't know. I don't know what that feels like. Right. And the moment I came out of anesthesia after my surgery, my mother asked me, how do you feel? And I looked at her and I said, I feel healed. I'm done. Hmm. I knew right then that God had chosen that particular way to heal me. Wow. So. Wow. Okay. And so did you have any um, treatment after that? I went through three of the four rounds of uh, chemotherapy. Why only three out of four? Well, after the third one, I was having a lot of difficulties with my muscles because of the MS, because chemotherapy kills your good cells as well as your bad cells. And you already didn't have enough good cells to start with. Right, right. And I was having uncontrolled body spasms. Felt like I was losing my mind. Right. Um, That's not a far trip. No, it isn't. (laughs) I'm I'm short, and it's really a very quick trip. (laughs) So Dell was confused at why I was upset about that. But um, I just told my doctor, I can't do this anymore. And he, Dell was, you know, um, concerned, of course, because I wasn't finishing the, the entire regiment. Right. But I knew that I needed to not finish it or I wouldn't be left with very little quality of life because of the MS. All right. And um, after, as soon as I quit the treatment, um, my hair started coming back. And, now, uh, did you go completely bald? Completely bald. I lost all the hair in my entire body. Wow. Which is very humbling. Uh-huh. No eyebrows, no eyelashes, uh-huh. you know. Uh-huh. Um, now, I have to say to everybody, too, that Kathy has always had beautiful, beautiful, um, thick, blonde hair. Mm-hmm. Um, as I remember, now, you tell me if this just was a, a chemical thing, but it was very wavy. Mm-hmm. I have natural curly hair. Natural curly mm-hmm. hair, right. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, I'm sure that that was something that was uh, you enjoyed as one of your features was your hair. No. No? No, like most women, yeah, you, you ever, want the opposite yeah, of what you have. have. That's yeah. true. That's true. Okay. Well, I'll, I, I'll say that you always had beautiful hair. Well, thank you. But I have to tell you, losing my hair gave me a new perspective on people with other disabilities. Really? How so? Mm-hmm. Well, there are some people who, who lose their hair because they have they, their body just doesn't have hair there's there's different illnesses where you're just bald okay um there are other people who limp severely there are people who have to be in wheelchairs or who um have had strokes and so their face looks different and people stare at them right and um i had never experienced that kind of with prejudice okay. in my life. And so it gave me a new perspective. When I would walk into a store, children would look at me funny. Uh-huh. I always wore a hat or wigs or something. Yes. So I wouldn't frighten children. Right. That's what I told myself. Uh-huh. But it was more my my vanity, I think. Yeah. But um, when I did start going out with just a quarter inch of hair, um, people did stare at me. Mm-hmm. And so it gave me a new perspective of what it's like to be on the other side okay. right. of a prejudice right. and um, of a new appreciation for that yeah. and a tender heart right. for that. So. Now, looking at you now, you have long blonde hair. It's, I do. It's straight. Did you straighten it or did it come back different? It came back straight at first. Uh-huh. And then the week that my first granddaughter was born, I was down there with her taking care of her and uh, my daughter-in-law. She had a C-section. And I took a shower, 
and I came out of the shower with kinky hair. Uh huh. It went in straight and came out kinky. So That's I have weird. no idea why that happened. <laughs> I was very excited about straight hair. Yeah. But um, my hair texture is much different now. It's very kinky, kinky, curly. But if I run a blow dryer through it, it comes out straight. Okay. Very so. good. All right. All right. So enough of the, the beauty tips. There you go. <laughs> so to, to kind of sum thing, things up, you have gone through MS and you, you still deal with that, obviously. Every day. Tell me how it is now. What's it like for you now with the MS? For MS? Well, um, I have a lot of trouble with the heat. It really makes me severely fatigued. Okay. And um, so during the summer months living in, in Riverside, I tend to stay in the house in the air conditioning. Right. So I'm pretty much a prisoner. For of, those that don't know, <clears throat> Riverside can get um, <clears throat> 110, 115. I, probably the average temperature in the summertime is about 100, wouldn't mm-hmm. you think? Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So it keeps me pretty much a prisoner of air conditioning. Right. If I get out in it too much, I get severely sick. And if I get too sick, I can end up in the hospital. Now, meaning sick, define sick. So tired that you can't get up. Okay. Um, you tend to dehydrate real easily. Mm-hmm. And um, you don't have much of an immune system with MS. It kind of attacks your immune system. Right. And so if I get a cold or anything, if I don't go on antibiotics really quickly, I can end up with pneumonia, mm. which happened to me twice. Wow. I didn't realize that it happens so quickly. Right. So it did. And um, now I'm very careful. Sure. So, um, uh, but other than that, you know, it's it's one of those things that, um, like I, I alluded to before, I'm very stubborn and I pick and choose what I want to do. And um, I know my limits. And a lot of times I will specifically do something that I know that it's going to fatigue me to the point of I need to be in bed for a couple of days or at least in the house in a chair. Right. So I will not plan anything for the few days after that event. What kind of an event would it be that you would make that kind of a, a sacrifice, if, if I can call it that? Well, if it's an all-day event where I'm going to be out with my grandkids somewhere, uh, we're out at the soccer fields or we, we you know go to the park or go to the zoo or um, something like that. I know the next day I'm going to be tired. Right. It's a lot of walking. Right. And walking is the, the toughest part sure. for me. Okay. Um, sometimes I have done events at churches um, where I've gone and spoke at a retreat or at a mother-daughter tea. Right. I don't plan anything the next day after that. Right. Okay. So, so those are the things where you, you weigh the, the consequences absolutely. and you say it's worth doing it this time. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I don't mind making the sacrifice if it's something I know I'm doing for the Lord or I'm doing for my family. Right. Okay. Now, so the mobility thing is, is one of the, I always think about Annette Funicello mm-hmm. and she's in a wheelchair. Correct. Um, what are the doctors saying about your, your prognosis uh, when it comes to that? Well, there's no standard um, prognosis for multiple sclerosis. There's four different types of, of MS, and I'm in what's called a chronic progressive. I used to be in what was called a, um, now I'm going to lose it, the name of it. Um, it's where it would intermittently attack you, right. and then, and then it, you would go into remission. Right. I'm not in a state of remission. I haven't been now for 10 years. Okay. And... Um, it's just um, Annette is the is the type that it hit her hard 
really quickly. Right. And she became debilitated very quickly. Okay. Um, I've been really blessed. God has kept my legs working. Right. And my arms. And he's and allowed... And your speech. Exactly. Exactly. Um, it's just amazing to me when I see other people with MS, how good God has been to me. Mm-hmm. And um, I know that's for a purpose. Uh-huh. And I think that we're coming to a point in our ministry where we're going to start realizing that purpose. And I've been out speaking... And Dell's been preaching for I don't know how many years, and we finally retired from a senior pastor. Mm-hmm. And now um, he's changing the direction of our ministry, and it's very exciting. It's like a new adventure, and we feel very much like we're newlyweds again, <laughs> taking off and starting over. Yeah, and um, and that's that's fun, but it's exciting that our children are on board with that. Oh, they are. Oh, sure. Oh, good. Sure. We'll talk about that new direction. Well. I'm writing a, a couple of books. One is on surviving multiple sclerosis and cancer uh-huh. and how God can get you through that on a daily basis. Another book I'm writing is on parenting. Okay. And a third book that's in my head but not on paper yet uh-huh. is um, on how women need to be fulfilling their purpose in God. How women need to be fulfilling their purpose in God. Mm-hmm. Very good. So I, I think that women today don't realize that they can't find fulfillment in the workplace Mm. and that they need to be um, doing what God's called them to do. And and in that place, they'll find fulfillment and peace and joy beyond what they can imagine. So I used to think I was a super mom and that I could work and raise a family and have my home look like a model home and be active in the local church and minister at the same time. You can't do that? No. I thought, I thought that's what was expected. No, the S is gone. It's off my chest now. <laughs> now it's on the Lord's chest. So um, he brought me to a realization that I needed to be at home with my kids and uh, that he would provide what we needed, and mm-hmm. he has. Mm-hmm. So That's a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A very uh, quaint idea. It is. It's very old-fashioned. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. But it, it worked? It worked then, back then. When it was considered the thing to do, right. when when we we watch TV and we see women in pearls uh, doing their housework and we laugh, <laughs> you know, Father Knows Best and and all of those great old shows. But women were happy and fulfilled in those days, right? And families were united and they were units in those days, and we don't have that anymore. And women don't know how to be mothers because the generation before them, my generation, didn't teach them. Right. And um, that's our fault. Mm-hmm. And that's the desire of my heart is to open up young women's eyes to what they really are called and were built to do. Uh-huh. I know that sounds really, um, oh, I don't even know the word for that. It sounds very... Uh, well, back in the 60s, they would have maybe mm-hmm. called that... Um, sexist or uh almost bigoted yeah in reverse right yeah yeah but i've seen it work in my life and i've seen how it's changed and impacted other young women that i've been mentoring right and their families have come back into a unit marriages have been saved from that Mm -hmm. and that's exciting to me that god's going to use me in that way what a what an exciting thing to be able to be a broken, leaky vessel that I am, right. where my parts don't work right. Uh-huh. Parts are gone that used to be there. Yeah. Um, and But my soul is intact, yeah. and it's connected to the Lord. Amen. And he's yeah. changed me 
and I know that I will I will be confronted with ad- adversaries who won't like that. Mm-hmm. But I have to remember that those adversaries are being pushed by this, by Satan. And um, I guess he doesn't want families to be intact. No, he doesn't. So that's ex- that's exciting and frightening and awe. I'm in awe that um, he would choose me to do that. Yes. But he has. And so I'm just to be obedient to that call. Right. And, you know, that's one of my themes of my life in the last couple of years, especially since starting this show, mm-hmm. is, is just obedience. Mm-hmm. Um, I had no idea when he called me to do this show that as many people around the world would be affected mm-hmm. as as are. I, mean, I, I get emails from all, all around the world. And it, like you, you, you talk about a leaky vessel, that mm-hmm. would be me as well. Mm-hmm. You know that I'm I'm far from perfect. You've seen that, and yet God, for some reason, um, and, well, the reason is because I I said yes, Lord, whatever mm, you ask, that's you what I'll be. do. And uh, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, I just really have to tell you that that is one of the big um, secrets to spiritual success, if you want to call it that, is just getting to the point where you say, uh, God, whatever it is you ask of me, I'll do that. Mm-hmm. And until you experience that, it, that sounds like a really scary thing to do. In our world, we're encouraged, you know, to be in control and, and you know, be our own person. But uh, I have to tell you that having played by that particular set of rules, uh, that, that doesn't work very well. It's when we, you know, come to the point where we say, you know what, I, I really can't do this on my own. I, I obviously don't know what's best for me. And God, whatever it is you call me to do, that's what I'm going to do. That's right. I had made a prayer in September of 2004. God, I want to do more for you. Whatever that is, I want to do more. And in November is when the podcast started. It's not because I had any great idea. It's because God tapped me on the shoulder and he says, hey, let's do this. Right, right. And uh, it, Abraham didn't know where he was going. That's right. Moses didn't know what he was going to be doing. Mm-hmm. Paul didn't know what was going to be happening. But it was just a tap on the shoulder. And the Lord right. said, take a step. That's right. And, you know, Job, um, people, you've said that, that you've thought of us um, when you've read through Job. And people look at our life and they wonder, you know, why we don't get angry and why we don't um, get tired right? because we've been through so much. Right. And after my third round with cancer. Um, yeah, we didn't even talk about the third round. No, the third round was interesting. I thought it was my MS. Right. And um, um, for six months I limped around and lost more and more mobility. Right. And um, it made sense that it should have been the absolutely. MS. Absolutely. Your leg hurt? It, it yeah. mimicked everything yes. in MS. And my neurologist finally said, this isn't MS. This isn't acting like it anymore. There's something else going on. We took one x-ray and discovered a tumor on my left uh, femur at the top, just just below the hip socket. And um, a week later, I was in the hospital having surgery. Yep. And uh, they took and put a, a rod down my femur and another one up into the ball and that leg's a lot stronger than the other one now. So uh. I'm thinking, hmm, <laughs> this is a good thing. 
Um, Hard to go through airports, though. Well, actually, it doesn't bother them. It's no? titanium, and oh, okay. so it's non-magnetic. Okay. It doesn't set them <laughs> off. But my kids call me bionic woman now. Yeah, no kidding. Um, but, you know, through all of the surgeries and through all of the rounds of cancer uh, and the radiation and the chemotherapy, um, sometimes you do. I mean, this last time I was like, okay, I know I'm going to walk through this path and I'm going to be okay at the end of it. But you do get fatigued. Right. You do get tired. And Did you ever say, God, how much do you, are you going to make me go through? No. I said, I know you're not going to give me more than I can handle, but have you checked your list lately? <laughs> and I know God has a sense of humor because I saw myself bald. Uh-huh. That's a pretty funny thing. Yeah. But... Um, I know that it, that it sounds almost on the conceited side, but I know that every time God takes us through something like that, he provides us a way to minister to other people. And the blessing from that far exceeds any pain and discomfort that we've gone through. And I've watched my children grow through watching us walk by faith through that. And they've become incredibly wise and incredibly intuitive Hmm. to other people and they have so much um, compassion for other people almost to the point where it's harmful to them wow but um, all three are like that all three that all is three. amazing especially in this day yeah. and age our son is um, very generous and gives stuff away that he probably shouldn't but he does and he's surrendered to ministry yeah he just hasn't found that niche yet where God wants him right has four beautiful children and um uh, all of, all of the oldest ones know who Christ is already, and they're just young, wow. and that just that's beyond anything I can explain to you the the joy that comes from that. Yep. Our oldest daughter Mindy is um, been a paramedic. She's worked and driven ambulance, and she's so compassionate. She's worked in the ER. Right. She's a, a, a like a paramedic, and then she's also going to school to be an RN, and she wants to work in pediatrics, and who knows where that will lead. Right. She's just very, very uh, compassionate okay. and giving. And our youngest is a theater arts major, uh-huh. which I know sounds really odd. Mm-hmm. But, um, and your youngest name is Christy. She's our, our baby, Christy. Right. She graduates next May from Vanguard mm-hmm. University. And she wants to change the film industry one film at a time. Oh. That's her goal. But I, I just have this vision for her life, and I'm, I don't know if... God will do it or not, but I see her doing art and theater for his his work uh-huh. and his glory. Uh-huh. And I just know that he'll use her that way. Right. And she is a very loving, kind young woman who um, is very insightful. And uh, she's very much like her dad. She thinks before she gives her two cents worth. Right. So, She's taken me back a few times. <laughs> well, where did that come from? But, um, you know, I, my kids have taught me a lot over the last few years, especially. And um, I'm very proud of them because I know that God used me as the vessel to bring them into this world because he has a purpose for their life. Uh-huh. And I see their life unfolding. And... Um, you can't help but be proud of your kids because we're you're human. But to know that God used us that way 
for us to be their parents. He chose us to be their mom and dad right. and to be able to form their thoughts and lead them and point them to the direction that he wants them to go right. is very rewarding, yeah. you know. So They are three great kids. Thank you. And they're beautiful, too, so they all three take after their mom. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> You're a good liar. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> Yeah, I've had conversations with my mom before, and she said, "How are Dell and Kathy doing?" And I, you know, tell them your your latest travail, and she's, you know, just really has a hard time understanding why mm-hmm. God would do what he what he's done in your lives uh, with the different trials you've had. Mm-hmm. But you know, my mom doesn't have that relationship with Jesus mm-hmm. like you do, and and I do, and Dell does, and it's very hard for people to understand unless they have that that faith and. Uh, I would, if you're listening to this and, and you know, you've had those questions before, I just really have to say that God does take you through these things. Um, we are not our own. We're bought with a price, as Paul said. And, um, you know, these trials sound horrible when you're on the outside. And they're not fun when you're going through them. But when you understand that that God is a gracious, loving, perfect God, and that there's nothing that is um, beyond his control, that um, he has a, a perfect plan and reason for everything that we go through. And, and there are some times that things happen to us that he doesn't cause, but he'll take those things and make wonderful good things out of them. Absolutely. Um, if you belong to him, you can have complete trust and faith That's right. that good is going to come out of it, not just for other people, but for you as well. Absolutely. Um, I recently was reading a book by someone who um, had some horrible things happen to him, and he said uh, that there's no way that I would want to go back to having a what everybody would say a complete perfect body that the blessings that have come out of it have far outweighed, you know, the giving up of the mobility that this particular person had. Absolutely. We've gone on quite long here and I would just want to say, Kathy, I love you and I thank you for coming down and talking to us today. You're welcome. And, um, you, you truly have been a, an inspiration to me over the years. Your husband's okay too. <laughs> <laughs> Just as long as you know that it's not us, it's the Lord that you see when you look at our life. And um, he's in control. Absolutely, yes. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for having me. This has been delightful. It's my first interview, and you made it very easy for me. Well, good. I'm glad. <laughs> Thanks, Kathy. You may not see her wings of healing Because her wings are spread so thin See her fly in the heavens She's down here with God's children On her knees once again You may find her fallen by the roadsides Exhausted from traveling extra
Angels on Earth with Annette Klenzel. Now, what's cool about this song is it is also on the Stephen Stewart CD that I'm going to be giving away. Now, the name of the CD is Balance, and uh, you can check it out at life or well at lifespringpodcast.com where I'll have the show notes. Uh, but he's also you can go directly to uh, myspace.com/stephen stewart if you'd like to check it out there. Now, I'm going to be doing a contest. Um, the link to buy the CDs on the show notes page. Now, here's the contest. I'm going to be selecting at random four of the LifeSpring Family Forum users. So what you have to do is go to LifespringPodcast.com. And the splash page that you see when you first open that up, you'll see a link to the LifeSpring Family Forum. Go over there, and uh, if you're not already registered, you'll have to register uh, to be able to participate on um, on the forum. Now, you'll see uh, when you when you click on the LifeSpring Family Forum, there will be a, a register link at the top of the page. Just you know, go in there and register and. Um, I'd like to encourage you to participate in some of the conversations. It's not a difficult thing. If you've never, uh, you know, gotten involved in forums or your, you know, discussions on uh, in forums, that's okay. Uh, don't let that intimidate you. It's kind of fun, and uh, everybody there is nice. At least so far, nobody's uh, gotten any flame wars, and uh, it's it's just the kind of place that um, I've wanted it to be. I have had to do uh, no censoring or anything else. Everybody that goes there so far is very cool. And uh, and look, it'll stay that way. I know it will because everybody that listens to my show is very, very nice. So anyway, later on, um, once we get uh, a good, uh, you know, uh, influx of, of more people, I'm going to be selecting um, four 
people at random to win a very special limited edition Lifespring exclusive edition of the Balance CD from Stephen Stewart. Now I'm looking at one. Now what's really cool about this, this is already a collector's item, I have to say, because these are burned on Stephen's own computer, I'm quite sure. Um, he's, he's written the label on there, but he's also autographed it, and it says Lifespring Exclusive, uh, and it says Stephen Stewart Balance, and then it's got his MySpace address, www.myspace.com slash Stephen Stewart. And so anyway, um, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to put a 30-day thing on this. Today, uh, what is the date today? I don't have the slightest idea. Uh, as I'm recording it, it's April 24th, and so most of you won't get this until the April 25th. And so on uh, May 25th, I will go in and I will choose at random four of the registered users at the LifeSpring Family Podcast Forum. So I encourage you to go over there and and, uh, participate. Well, as you probably know, the newest member of the LifeSpring Family of Podcasts is LifeSpring Hymn Stories. I have gotten a great deal of really encouraging email from that, and I, I really thank you for that. So keep those comments coming. You can send those comments to steve.lifespring at gmail.com or you can call me on the comment line at 206-350-CALL. As I've said, show notes are at lifespringpodcast.com. Go check them out. Music today was from Stephen Stewart's Balance CD. And remember, Jesus said, Whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. You see, it doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter your age, your sex, your station in life. Jesus said, who do you say that I am? LifeSpring is about answering that question and the question of how and why the answer can and does affect your life today. I'm Steve Webb. God bless you. This has been an In Touch Productions podcast.